Today's podcast is dedicated to the life and memory of Mike Gray, a friend of my younger sisters and the Harmon family as a whole, who was murdered in Arlington, Virginia this past weekend at just 23 years old. I think some of the brightest stars aren't meant to burn forever. It hurts when they're gone, but they shine brighter than all others while they're here. It's fair to say that Mike was one of those stars. I believe Mike's spirit embodied what this show stands for. Be good to each other, invest in the people in your life, and leave a positive impact on the world. That spirit will live on through a host of individuals who loved him. We are sending positive energy their way along with our constant support. Today we've got a great guest here to talk about their their life, their journey in the uh, in the sports media world. It's Al Zeidenfeld from DraftKings, from ESPN, from uh, the GIF world of Twitter. Uh, Al, how's it going today? Things are good, doing all right. You know, as you can see, I'm right here in my backyard, set up beautifully here. As you can see on Skype, your listeners can't see, but you can. I've got a nice setup outside. It's a beautiful day in Los Angeles, and I'm in my backyard, ready to banter with you. I love it. Yes, that's great. You are the, you are the first episode, or no? Actually, I think you're not the first person that has theoretically recorded from their from their <laughs> backyard. I actually did one guest. I think season one was actually literally in their backyard. Um, otherwise, it's just a you know it's just a mindset. Yeah, mine's um, just a green screen, and you can pretend that it's a backyard. See, that's uh, that's what that uh, that's what that Millie Maker money will get you is the uh, is the buying a green screen in your own home. <laughs> exactly. You know, you got to set it up. You got to light it right. But you know, then you can overlay the backyard as you need. Perfect. Yeah, I just have a I just have a tapestry, so that's what uh, that's what <laughs> NFL Network money gets you. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, so obviously, listeners of this podcast, uh, if you're new this season, if you are uh, returning from season one, you kind of get the you know the vibe of this show is essentially just to talk to the guest, find out you know not not just what their uh, what their journey is in the sports media world, but also in general just. What what is uh what's like just what's their life story in a way? So Al, let's start kind of at the beginning for you. Like, what made you so interested, you know, in in sports, in uh, in in uh, in fantasy sports in general? Kind of take us back to the origin story. I mean, I was your typical young kid that wanted to grow up and be a professional baseball player. Uh, no different from anybody else. I wanted to be an athlete when I grew up, and my parents always joked around and said it's probably better to you to try and be an owner of a team than to be the athlete on the team but that was my dream and that was what I wanted to do and then that kind of grew through high school and college where I wasn't going to be a professional athlete but I wanted to maybe be a play-by-play comment commentator you know I wanted to do that I went to Syracuse on a communications uh, student to get a degree in that so that I could possibly break into being a play-by-play announcer, possibly a studio guy, and that was the goal. Now, I took a really circuitous route after college to actually getting to use that communications degree and apply it uh, in terms of writing articles or doing podcasts or doing TV or anything else, but here I am. Right, and yeah, that is, it's certainly a circuitous route, and let's, uh, let's kind of dig into that a little bit. So, you know, you're, you're different from most other people i would say that we've had on the show so far uh how did you kind of get your your break into the industry so to speak 
Okay, so I've played fantasy sports since I was 13, I think, was the first league that I ever joined. And I'm the old guy in fantasy sports, apparently. I'm 44 years old this May. So I've been playing this for a long time. And a few years ago, I was taking this very seriously. It was always a very serious hobby for me. I always was hyper-competitive in my friends and family leagues across all sports, baseball, basketball, football. Uh, when ESPN used to have that Uber challenge where they would have all the different sports and they'd, you'd calculate points, kind of like player of the year points, I was in the top 100 for like two years in a row in that to the point where I was really interested in competing in fantasy sports. And I wanted to compete against the best players out there. And there was no way for me to get involved into those leagues. There was no way to get into labor. There was no way to get into tout wars. There was no way to get into these industry leagues. Because who was I? I didn't have any connections and I didn't know anybody. So then Daily Fantasy kind of became a thing. And I was always listening to Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio and said, oh, look, they're doing these reads, so they must be playing a little bit because they're talking about it a little bit. So maybe I can compete against these guys in daily fantasy on FanDuel or on DraftKings. And uh, I created an account and I went from there and I hit the ground running. Soon did I realize that these guys weren't playing on daily mm. fantasy sites pretty much at all, but I was doing pretty well. And before I had reached the 12-month mark of playing in, in daily, I won my first major championship. I qualified for a live football final uh, there were 20 people, and it, the field was littered with guys who are the faces of the industry now, uh, of that 20-man final. I had a glorious showing. I finished 19th out of 20, I think. Mm. It might have been 18th, but that might be reaching. Beautiful start. <laughs> Good, yeah, off just hit the ground running with that one. Uh, but then I won the basketball championship on Draft Street a couple of months later. Right after that, Roto Grinders started doing this Grinders Live show, and I had just done an interview with Dan Bach after winning the basketball championship and, and got on his podcast, and that was my first, I guess, interview or my first public showing in daily. And so when they came out with Grinders Live with him and Soccer Dave were the first two hosts, I wrote Dan an email. I said, you know what? Uh, this is something that I think I'd be very good at. I'm very interested in trying it out. If you could give me a trial, and if you put me on the air... I guarantee you won't get me off. Hmm. And he probably didn't, he didn't know me from Adam. He had interviewed me one time on a podcast. He's like, all right, let's see. Let's throw you on there. And we had like 25 or 40 viewers for those first uh, episodes, you know, the right. first couple of months. So like we, we grew that from absolutely nothing uh, into the staple that it is now. So that was really how I broke in was I tried to play daily to get out there and do something. And then from there, I had some success and fought for a spot on a on a show that was just starting from zero uh, and trying to gain some traction in the industry. And, and that's kind of how I made a name for myself. And I realized that the baseball final that year in August, and we had started doing this in March, and I realized in August that everybody kept coming up to me and Dave uh, and Dan and saying, wow, you know, I watch the show all the time. And it's like, okay, we had, I think, 100 viewers at that point. It's like, we think, oh, the show is great. We love your personality. We love your guys' jokes. It's, this is so much fun. Thanks for doing the shows. They really helped me as a player. It's like, wow, we kind of really have something here. Mm. And we've only been doing it for like six months. And, and obviously things kind of mushroomed from there. Right. I mean, so there's a little bit in your, in your story there, that perspective, there's a little bit of the uh, kind of bet on yourself mentality, yeah. which I think is super important to getting a position in this in this field or really any other. What made you so confident 
in yourself to be able to say to these guys that that do this as a as a job or, or have this as part of their field like you, you're gonna get me on the air and, and you won't get me off i mean one i thought i felt like i had to say something <laughs> that was you know gonna get their attention otherwise everybody just wants to be on a show you know they want to be in front of the camera I've never been shy being in front of a camera or being in front of a microphone. I've never had that problem. You know, the old Seinfeld joke, the two biggest fears uh, in, in American society today are one, public speaking, and two, death. Right. So at a funeral, people would rather be the guy in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. Well, I've never had that issue. I've got no problem standing up in front of a crowd. I never had a problem going out dancing. I never had a problem, uh, you know, no inhibition. So, like, I have no problem mixing and mingling with people or public speaking as well. I mean, that was basically what my major was in college. So I'm just comfortable in those situations. But my path that I kind of carved out for myself, because before I was started in daily fantasy, I spent a bunch of years traveling around as a professional poker player. But mm. I was just a player. I didn't have a podcast. I didn't, you know, I started writing a blog, but like it was really like this is back in like the MySpace days that I had like a little poker blog. Oh, beautiful MySpace. You know, right? Did MySpace die like the moment that you could log in by by using Facebook to log in? Like that I, was the end of MySpace, right? Yeah, I think if you have to use another social media site to log into another one, that's a that's a good sign to that's a yeah. it's a deathbed. Man, I remember you know my MySpace was like popular when I was in middle school, and I still remember the uh, the the fights that would come out because mm -hmm. of uh, you know the top eight friends and I th as soon as I got on Facebook I was like this is a, a breath of relief that I just don't have to have this you know top eight friends and I remember people you know based on how mad they were at each other they would move them ahead or behind another person and then yeah, yeah god good memories <laughs> it would go you know what like that became the the internet version of the speed dial Yes. So like whoever was number one on your speed dial and you'd move them up and down, like that became the internet version of it. But, but we digress. Yes, right. Well, that, this podcast <laughs> is, is plenty. And when you're in your backyard bantering, you're, you're able to digress. <laughs> this is what you do. So, you know, uh, it was just a situation where I felt I had to do something. And I felt that I, I had to. And my wife really encouraged me to do this. Because as a poker mm. player, like I said, I was just a player. But I, I didn't have kids at the time either. So now it became, okay. <clears throat> you're good at the fantasy stuff. You're good at playing daily fantasy. Uh, and you can do this full time. But if you're going to do it, uh, her words here, you're going to brand yourself and you're going to create something so that you're not just uh, playing fantasy sports because telling your kids, what, you know, what does daddy do at preschool or kindergarten? Oh, my daddy plays fantasy sports for money. <laughs> Doesn't really play as well as opposed to, you know, my daddy does podcasts and does shows and writes articles and does stuff about sports. Uh, so that was the route that we kind of went down. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair that that sounds much better at a career day yes. uh, for, for your kids or, or whatever. But before I kind of get more into that, creating that path or creating that brand, I want to kind of circle back a little bit. to sure. you, you, you mentioned you were a professional poker player uh, or this is what you were before you were you know your nickname is is for those that don't know smiz you know before smiz life before all that who was al zeidenfeld before you got before even you started playing daily fantasy sports well let's see uh i i got into coaching i i, I was in my family business after college like mm -hmm. going way back to that right so 24 25 i was working my family business which was stainless steel pipe and tubing. You live in Los Angeles. The NFL Network is in Culver City. Our company was in Culver City. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So 
Yeah, peel back the curtain here, people. Smiz and I are actually real life. We're, we're yeah. real life pals now. We've we've met officially a couple yeah. about a couple weeks ago and had had uh, had a meal and 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 I I drank booze because well that's just what I do. That's what but. you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have we have actually broken bread together. Indeed, yes, there was bread. It was I had a burger, so there was definitely carbs involved. Yes, cheat so, day, right? Hey, I'm living that same low carb life. I understand. I haven't oh, yes. I haven't done as much as you did. But uh, I have dropped some LBs in the last six eight months. Well, hey, both of us avoided the uh, the chicken and waffles, so that was a big a big step for all of us. It was it was quite a hurdle too, because they it almost was. took me to yeah. I was going after them hard. <laughs> they were tempting. <laughs> so I worked in my family business, and I was uh, spending a lot of time investing because I'd open it up at six, and it didn't open until eight. But I'd have to go there's a big warehouse, so you had to turn on all the lights and get the heaters going and do all the you know start up all the forklifts and all that sort of thing. So I had a couple hours to just mess around and do whatever. So I was investing in the stock market. Now, this was during the mid-90s. So basically, if you invested in anything that had .com on the end of it, you made a lot of money. (laughs) So uh, I did well. And so that allowed me to basically do whatever I wanted. I started coaching basketball at a local park here. And then as everything in my life, the more I get into something, I really immerse myself in it. And I started saying, you know what? I really want to be a basketball coach here. And I spent a lot of time working on my craft, just like I work on daily fantasy now and podcasting and articles and everything else. Now I did with, with coaching basketball, really immersed myself in it, read every book, uh, videos, attended really big time high school practices, really big time college practices. I was sitting on US, UCLA and USC's practices from time to time to pick up and learn what I could from other coaches uh, and had like a 10 year plan for coaching when I was 25 that by the time I was 35, I wanted to either be a coach of a top 25 USA Today team mm. or sitting on a college bench. And again, this was starting from somebody who was an absolute unknown and said, okay, I'm coaching at a park volunteering, and 10 years from now, I want to be on a college, Division One college bench. Like, I want to be on a college bench recruiting kids and, and coaching college men's basketball. Uh, and I achieved those goals in eight years. Wow. Yeah. So That's impressive. One team, we finished fourth in the country, and then the next year I was coaching at Santa Monica College. Wow, that's impressive. No, I mean, what is that like? What is the recruiting life like in in college it basketball? Sucks. It's, it's terrible. It's the worst. Recruiting is the single worst thing on this earth. That's why. Why is that? I mean, you. I. I don't know. It seems like it would be. I have no interest in it, but it would seem like if that's what you were interested in, what made, what made you like get into it and then realize like, oh, this is actually the worst. It was really fun on like EA sports, mm. right? It was really fun on like the college basketball and the college football games. Oh yeah. There's a recruit. You call them up, you do this, you do whatever. It's just a lot of sitting in gyms, watching kids play, showing face, shaking hands, kissing babies, making them think that they're the most important person in the world to you and your program instead of just like, being honest and saying, look, uh, I think you'd fit in well here. I think that you'd get playing time here. I think that you'd help our program. I think that we could help you out. Uh, and just being honest about it, it's like it's, it's a lot deeper than that. And it, it gets ugly and it's disgusting. Yeah, I guess 
the only real thing I know about recruiting is I don't follow, um, you know, co- college sports like too closely. I mean, I watch a little bit of college football here and there, and I follow the NFL draft. But recruiting is is weird uh, to yeah. me. And the the some of the nastiness that I guess you see from recruiting Twitter uh, seems to be sure. reflected in that that just the weirdness of it and everything. But yeah, that, that's interesting. So did you do so? Was that from you transitioned from the? Uh, from the recruiting life into daily fantasy sports there is that the direct com- commission or was there something there else was a in couple of years so like my last year coaching was 2006 2005 2006 was my last season coaching and then after that i would i was playing poker semi-professionally so during basketball season i would coach basketball full-time in the off season i would Still coach because you do stuff in fall and in summer leagues and, and, you know, spring practice and fall practice. But those are not as intensive. You don't. there's no scouting. There's no going to videotape other teams and see your competitors and all those sorts of things that goes into it as well as practices five days, six days a week. Uh, So I was playing poker a lot, traveling to San Francisco to play in the Bay 101, playing the Los Angeles tournaments here at the bike and at the Commerce, as well as going to Vegas for the WPT tournaments and World Series of Poker tournaments that were happening there. That was what I was doing every offseason. So then from 2006 to about 2010, when my first child was born, I was playing poker pretty much full-time. Obviously, that changed when online poker went away. Right. And then I had kids, and going to live tournaments until 1, 2 in the morning made absolutely no sense anymore. So poker kind of went the way of the dodo for me. I still play casually with friends like once a month in a little friendly home game. But... Nothing hardcore like I used to. Sure, sure. Um, so obviously, then jumping back into to where you are now, um, mm-hmm. you you start out with this Roto Grinder show and everything. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, you and your wife discussing like you have to to brand yourself as uh, as this person. You know, you have to be more than just I play fantasy sports. What was the goal to uh, like? What was the brand you wanted to uh, to convey to the audience at, at that moment? What did you decide to do? I didn't know like what I wanted to be at that point. You just you're going to be you're going to be whatever you are is basically what it boils down to. You're not going to just create this persona and then just be that persona. Everybody that you meet, whether it's Matthew Barry, whether it's David Kitchen, whether it's Drew Dinkmeyer, who they are on the mic and who they are on the camera. I mean, you obviously have a shtick. Yes. You know, uh, and you carry it off pretty well. If you guys could see the wool cap that Matt is wearing right now in Los Angeles when it's like 60 degrees and sunny outside. He's pulling off the hipster stink thing, even on podcast, which is fantastic. So to be clear, the, uh, the, the, this, this cap just signifies, I did not want to do my hair at this current moment. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really what that is. Whether the, sometimes it's a headband when it gets a little hotter, but yeah, for now it's, it can still be the hat. But typically speaking, who you are on camera or who you are on the mic is basically who you are. So everybody says, I tell dad jokes. I tell dad jokes in real life. I go for the low-hanging fruit. If there's a pun to be made, I'm making that pun. Puns have (laughs) a huge comedic value. And I'm going after every single one of them. So, Debatable, and, but nevertheless, <laughs> I'm very anti-pun. So I know this is a, I know that this is a big point of contention with you. <laughs> no, but that's a but that's a good point, and I think it's something that you know. Now that I've done on-camera stuff, this in between the end of season one of the Backyard Banter podcast and the beginning of season two, that's one thing that has kind of become real to me is that you know back when they were debating whether to put franchise and I on camera the discussion with those 
who did not want it and did want it was well we can't put them on we can't put them on tv because they're not tv people and it's like well how do you become a tv person well you're on tv yeah it's the stupid catch-22 it's the same thing with when you were a teenager well I can't hire you for this job because you don't have any experience. Well, if you don't hire me, how am I ever supposed to get any experience to have the experience to get the job that I need experience for? Right. And I, I remember uh, Dave Damashek was the one who really wanted uh, really wanted us to, to get on there. And he was asking me, do you have any you know on-camera stuff that I can send to them? And I'm like, well, I mean – no, because I've never been on camera. I mean, I've, you, I can send you some Google Hangout stuff, uh, but let's, but the, you know, that doesn't, that's not the same thing. It's the same thing as having like, you know, I can do that. I can, if you want to get hired as a, a, a ditch digger, you can dig your own ditches, but uh, it's not really the same thing as like working in it professionally. That's a weird analogy, but nevertheless. No, I mean, look, there's a big difference between being on an actual set Yes. And doing something with a producer in your ear uh, and going from shot to shot and having to be quiet when you're standing on the set that you're next to what's actually going on that's on camera. There's certain things. But you know what? That's not all that tough to learn. Right. You know, now, if you're reading from a prompter, that's a different story, too. But if you're just doing conversational stuff, then you're just doing conversational stuff. And I think that having that real, uh, for me, of Grinders Live, where people could see me interacting conversationally uh, on camera in a situation with no script just talking about sports Mm -hmm. uh went a long way and i think that that speaks a lot to the fact that there is nothing holding people back from doing whatever it is that they want if you want to be a writer write something Mm. you know and get a catalog going and get an audience it's not that hard to at least get started now getting an audience and gaining traction yeah it's going to take you some time and some energy but it can be done you can start your own blog. You can use social media to push your friends to it, to get your friends to push their friends to it, uh, and start building an audience that way. And then you get recognized and you kind of blow up a little bit through there. As we've seen people do this football season, the football season before that, and baseball, basketball, every season uh, going back the last five, there's always been some new faces that have done good work. And when you do good work, people are going to find you. Same thing with podcasting. If you want to be a radio guy, do a podcast. They're free. You can record yes. it. You can upload it yourself. Same thing for video. You want to do a, a video show, a solo one? We have YouTube. Record yourself. You can cut it yourself using whatever tools you have on your computer, uh, Final Cut or whatever. Upload it, and you can become uh, a video, an on-camera talent by using social media to create that for yourself. Now, granted, are you going to be on network TV from that? No, but can you grow those things into that? Most certainly. Hmm. Yeah, and that's that's very fair and i always tell people the best way to get started in whatever you want is is just to start i'm always kind of confused uh when people say they want to you know they email me and i I get a lot of people emailing me or whatever you know saying i want to be a writer i'm like well have you have you written anything uh because that's pretty easy to to do you like you said you just you just get started in whatever that is um and and you learn you learn through through just doing it essentially and and yes it's very easy to get out there and 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 start an audience getting it further along is a different question i mean Uh, there's ways to do it i mean if you if if i could start everything over again uh there are a few things i would do differently one i would become extremely proficient in i mean i'm i'm not proficient at all in coding that's a whole other issue I'd become proficient in Photoshop, A. I'd become fluent in the language of SEO. Yes. You know, uh, because if you can create a blog and you have 
If you're like Neo from the Matrix with SEO stuff, you can turn your blog or your podcast or your whatever uh, and grow your audience very quickly just by hitting certain things that search engines love. And people will find your podcast organically as opposed to you having to drive traffic to it constantly. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Um, I, that's some of those things I, I still am not an expert in. I mean, coding is, I can do it, but it should be better at it. You know, same with the, you know, Photoshop, I got a pretty good understanding of. And the SEO thing is a whole nother thing. I, someone had a conversation with me this year about, uh, like, we got to make our, our stuff more SEO friendly. I'm like, well, I don't even know what the hell that means. Like, you know, well, I mean, but there are so many w- different ways to set yourself apart. And like I said, take that next step in, in growing your audience. So for you, when you're on Grinders Live, you know, you've started to make a name for yourself. What was kind of the thing that made you take the next step? Because like I mentioned, you're you're now with ESPN. I, you obviously do the podcast with Adam Levitan and Peter Jennings for DraftKings and everything. You I mean your your avatar on Twitter, Al, is, you know, you on it's is that that's you on television, right? That was yeah, that was me doing a, a shoot for ESPN here at the L.A. studio. Beautiful. So, I mean, how did you take the next step from becoming just, uh, you know, a guy no disrespect, just a guy on a, on another podcast to, to sort of a, a much more bigger media figure. Well, I mean, here's the thing. One, getting started, just do it, like you said. Like, if you want to write, write something. Uh, but I had a lot of goals set up through the, through the process. You know, my wife said, okay, you got to create a brand for yourself. Just like I said I did with coaching, I had a, a five-year plan for what I was going to be in Daily Fantasy uh, maybe I thought it was going to happen faster than five years, and it did happen faster than five years. And even though people were saying, oh, you know, I think you, you need to take five years instead of three, I was like, well, they're going to have to jump on this quickly. Hmm. But I set up different stones and stepping stones along the way. You've seen The Martian or no? Uh, yes. Okay, so the whole goal was to go from I'm alone on Mars and I want to go home, right? That was right. The, the, the big step, but there were a lot of little steps throughout the way and little problems he had to solve to get to that end. Now, spoiler alert for any of your viewers that haven't listened, he gets back to Earth, okay? I'm sorry. It's an old book. They, if It's it's by far past the point of spoiling. I, I have pretty Rose strict Bud rules about sled. what is and is not a spoiler. That that, that does not count. If you haven't okay. seen it, Rose, too bad. Rosebud's the sled, Darth Vader's Luke's father, all that stuff. <laughs> sorry to ruin all these movies for you all at once. But the point was, I started with Grinders Live. Point one was to get on that show. And then once that show got... Uh, bigger to keep being a player uh, and to keep growing my brand through being a player and on the air. From there, start doing some podcasts. From there, get on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio uh, to prove that I could be in a professional setting. Because like you said, until you're in that professional setting, nobody's going to see you as somebody who could be in that professional. Oh, you're just the internet guy. Well, yep. now I'd prove that I could be on the radio. From there, uh, the next step was to do digital video and to... Uh, create this big podcast that we had so our show that was with uh roto grinders me and adam and peter we turned into a podcast and DraftKings made it into the edge podcast that you guys uh some of you guys hopefully listen to today and would recommend thank you I, I listen to I listen to it during football season, as we discussed when we met. Uh, yes. I I am always sad when I'm like ah, I'm just not going to listen uh, in to the to the NBA one because yeah. it would be like listening to a bunch of you guys sit down and speak Chinese. But nevertheless, so here's the thing: the NBA one is weird. I'm going to digress here for a second. The NBA one, it's like we record it the night before, and it's not like football where we can record on Wednesday or Thursday and things are still going to be relevant on Sunday morning. NBA changes like in the drop of a hat. Somebody could just say it, you know. 15 minutes before lineups like eh, i'm not gonna play 
Mm. And that changes everything. You know, like think about it, it would change the targets that somebody would have and uh, the red zone targets. People are like, well, imagine that in basketball where there's way less players and way quicker routes to, well, if this guy is going to play 32 minutes, that clears up these minutes. This guy has to play. These shots are going to go to this guy. This guy's going to get more usage, yada, yada, yada. So we just kind of hit on some injuries, and then we just kind of talk for 20 minutes about listener questions and right. listen to Adam say some stuff that's just off the wall as he can be. Yeah, he, he's definitely uh, progressed in the off-topic spectrum from where I would say he was at a year ago and, and is much more into that now, and I, I like that. I would I would love to do a podcast just on talking about you know the, the BS of real life. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, yeah, it's a, but anyways, it's a good show. I would, I would recommend it. But anyway, sorry, we, we digress there. Um, again, your progression, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So now people could view me as somebody who is – been in a professional setting, at least in terms of radio. We had a successful podcast. And as I figured, ESPN would have to come knocking because ESPN was always the goal from day one when my wife said, I said, she said, what do you want to get out of this? Hmm. I said, I want to be the DFS guy on ESPN because they don't have one right now. Right. And the goal was always that, you know, like I wanted to get from Mars back home. I wanted to get from nobody knowing who the hell I was to being the DFS guy on ESPN. And through taking all these little steps and getting a little bit more in their radar, a little bit more in their radar, and uh, the relationship that, that I had as a promoter for DraftKings and DraftKings signed their marketing deal with ESPN, it put me on a short list of people that they were interested in. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, so it's all in total, you had the five-year plan. How fast did it all really happen from, from just another guy to, to ESPN? Okay, well, we, I never did a Grinders Live before March of 2013, and I was on SportsCenter on Sunday morning with Linda Cohn in September of 2015. Beautiful. That's a, that's a hell of a trajectory. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that I'm similar in a sort of way that uh, I went from one-bedroom apartment blogger to, uh, to NFL Network in, like, you know, three years. So uh, that yeah. was very exciting, and... But that doesn't happen for for everybody. That's no, it those, doesn't. Those are rare. Uh, and but I think in your story, the important part of that is the is that five year plan. Like having, you know, I have this ultimate goal, but there's got to be a little bit of of steps along the way to take. Yeah, how do I get there? Right. Right. And people ask me all the time uh, on Twitter, how do I get started in the in fantasy? I want to. I want a job in fantasy. And like you said, people approach you. I want to be a writer. How do I be? Well, write something. Hmm. And I've had more than a few people come to me and say, "Well, I want to be on this site." And then they say, "Hey, I." Somebody said, "I just got a job at, at PFF." I thought that was fantastic. He's a writer at PFF. Somebody else that wanted to get in that started with me back on boot camp had never written before is now one of the the main hosts on Grinders Live. Two years later. You know, and went from somebody with like 50 followers to 10,000 plus followers on Twitter and now has a, a face and a voice in, a, in the industry that wasn't there a couple of years ago. So there's definitely paths that you can take, but one, you have to do it. And two, you have to do something that's going to set you apart from everybody else. And some of us, that comes naturally. You're just going to be that guy that's a little bit different. And right. I'm a different type of cat. You know, I'm just a little bit different from everybody else. Uh, and some people just, that's not who they are and that's fine, but you can still be kind of a voice like that. But if you want to, the fast track, you got to do something different. So, uh, I always felt like 
there's there's daily fantasy players that are better than me. I've never said that I'm the best player. I'm never going to say I'm the best player because I've never been the best player. For one year, I was tournament player of the year. Uh, and that's just because I accrued the most points that year. But it didn't mean that I was the number one player in fantasy. I just had more tournament points than everybody else. Uh, and there's people that are better on the mic and better on camera than me. I'm never going to say I'm the best sportscaster in the world. But there's very few people that have my resume of playing in fantasy and in daily fantasy that are also good on the mic uh, and good on camera. So bringing all of that to the table kind of sets you apart. So what is it about you, not you, Matt, but you, the listener, mm-hmm. yeah, that wants to get involved in being somebody in the fantasy space? What is it going to be that sets you apart? And somebody that stood out this year was Scott Barrett. You know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. What what about Scott st- stood out to you, would you say? He was very transparent in doing specific research that other people tended to not be doing and had a way of conveying that through his Twitter account and screenshotting these uh, spreadsheets that he had in a way to explain his story. And he wasn't doing it in one tweet at a time. He was doing like tweet storms, 5, 10, 12 tweets. At a row. So it kind of painted a picture and a story. And that may not be the ideal way to use Twitter because people see one tweet and they don't see the rest unless you reply to all of them. Uh, obviously, there's sites like Storify now that you can take a, a series of tweets and put them together so that they make sense. Or you can create a moment, I guess. But yes. uh, that was something that a lot of people clung to this season as this is different and this is unique. And was all of the information actionable? No. But was it unique and in a way that made you read what he did and drew your attention to it? Most certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, constantly we talk on this show about if you want to get in the space, the thing to do is to be unique and do something that that you think should be out there that isn't already out there. You know, of course, like my thing was reception perception, like charting all the receivers routes mm-hmm. this big, complicated thing. But it doesn't have to be some big, complicated methodology with a bunch of statistics or whatever that takes up your life and sucks, sucks all potential for you to have any sort of real social life or dating life or et cetera, et cetera. Not speaking about anybody personally, but just saying. Do you need to, uh, do you need to lay down on that couch behind you? I mean, I can hey, hey, go hey, through hey. this. Tell we, me about we, your mother. <laughs> my mother doesn't listen to the show, I don't think, so I could probably discuss <laughs> it. But anyways, never. Ne- but my point in, in saying all this is like it can be this big complicated thing, but it doesn't have to be. It can be something mm-hmm. simple like how you approach Twitter, like you're mentioning with Scott. And I think that's some, something for the people should hear that they don't always hear when they think of unique content they think of something big and complicated like what i do or other people do but it can be something very very simple like that yeah i mean there's people uh joe ingram and doug polk two guys that aren't fantasy sports guys they're poker guys Mm. doug polk does a great job of creating video uh digestible video uh for digital you know on his facebook and on his his twitter feed right and joey does a great job of doing these youtube podcasts uh and i've tried to get him to say look you need to upload these the audio to or at least upload the video for a video podcast to itunes so you can get digested in a different way other than just youtube but they've built huge followings in that manner uh and drawn attention to themselves in that way there's a million different ways to do it there's no right way the only wrong way to do it is to just not do it if that's something that you're interested in yeah, absolutely true. And 
So, so Al, you mentioned that you knew you were a different cat. You knew that you would stand out just on your own. You know, I, I appreciate following you for a lot of different reasons uh, beyond <laughs> just the fact that, you know, you're very good with the with the fantasy information and all that sort of stuff. What is it about uh, about Smiz that makes you that makes you stand out? Would you say as weird as it is to say that about yourself? I don't I, I think that I have a way and, and I'm not trying to, like, break my arm patting myself on the back. This show I think is that, all about about uh, complimenting yourself. That's a it's quite fair enough. <laughs> I, I think that I have a way of coming up with these analogies or comparisons, and most often using pop culture references to do it to make difficult math or projection sort of questions or deep rooted sports stuff, whether it's basketball, baseball, or or football. And making it digestible to the layperson by using things that they can understand. Taking this really complicated thing and just kind of telling it in such a way that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, as opposed to using huge words. You know, I, I have the best words. You know, <laughs> instead of like being overly verbose and, and explaining things in such a way that maybe they're just going to tune out and fall asleep. I do it in such a way that makes them laugh. And not only are they learning it and they're, they're getting it across, but like at the same time, they don't know when the next joke's coming, so they have to listen. Mm. Yeah, and that's, this, is, this certainly is, is a very fascinating topic to me because I, I would say that you're definitely, much like me, you're not like a, a, a strictly stick-to-sports person. And I don't mean that like in, you know, tweet about politics and all that sort of stuff, but I mean – like your, your your Twitter account, you're talking about things other than than sports, and fr- and even on your like you said on your show, you're making analogies to things like that are happening in real life or some sort of pop culture thing, and, and I think that's great, and I I appreciate that all the time. Like you talk about, you know, Cordero Patterson could have seven targets this week, much like yada 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 or whatever, and it again it conveys real information, but in a way that's unique and different and. I think people want that, man. Like, I think people don't, you know, there are certainly some, the, the vast majority, I think, wants it that way. There are people out there that want to consume sports and just consume sports and 140 characters or whatever at a time and constantly that's it. But I think the most people out there want to get their information in a way that's also fun and relates to real life. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a thing for me like that uh that I I always get frustrated with the the this again the small amount of backlash you get about tweeting you know about Brussels sprouts or whatever. But hey, that's uh <laughs> that's just me, and I understand why not everybody wants to do that. But so Al, I, I you obviously you beat the five year plan. You know you turned that into yeah. the into the three year program. What what do you think is next for for you? What's what's the ten year plan? I. You know what? I haven't even thought about it yet. Uh, that That's the weird thing. It's like I got to ESPN, uh, and obviously there was no TV in 2016. There was TV in 2015. My I was writing my Best Buys article this year and doing a little mini podcast, a little solo podcast for them, as well as the Edge podcast, as well as the On the Ball podcast <laughs> with, with Drew and with Dave. But like doing all those things, it's like I never sat back and said, okay – now let's redo another five-year plan and see where I got to go from here. I'm kind of happy where I'm at, and I want to see it go somewhere else, but I don't think I'm done where I'm at to think about what the next step in the journey is. Yeah, that is the uh, that is the beautiful experience of our world is that um, 
in this industry, you can constantly create new opportunities for yourself. Uh, whether and th- you might not even know what those are. You know, I certainly didn't expect some of the things that happened with me this year to be happening. You know, six months before they did or whatever. But and that's a, that's the exciting part of it, and I think that's exciting for people that are out there uh, listening and, and want to get in it as well. So, we've kind of talked a lot about your your career progression as an analyst, as a writer. I want to dig into the the DFS thing bef- before we get out of here and. Uh, like this year, Al, you, you won the Millie Maker for those that don't know, DraftKings Million Dollar Contest. Uh, and, you know, it's not been like your only big win or whatever, I'm sure. Uh, right. What, what was like, this is a very open-ended question, but walk us through that experience. Like what was what was the progression to, to entering the tournament, to winning that, and what was that all like? Okay, so it was basically just a normal Sunday of football for me at that point. Um and like you said, you have weeks where you're like, okay, I think I'm live, right? Like that's that's the terms that we use. It's like early in the day, I had a bunch of guys that did really well. Uh, for we we're on the West Coast, so the morning games, yes, which by right? the way are fantastic. It's much, it's much, much better having. I hate having to say the 1 p.m. and the 4 p.m. games. It's the morning games and the afternoon games, and then Sunday night. Yes, those nerds are missing out there on the East Coast. As, <laughs> as an actual East Coaster from Virginia, I can and lived there for 23 years of my life. I can say for for a fact, it's much better out here. Yeah. So everything was going along the way that I thought it was going to go along, uh, meaning that. You know, I did my radio spot with with uh, with Mike in the morning uh, on Sunday morning, and then I inactives come out. You finalize your lineups, you go through everything. Lineups locked, and I was doing all right. Teams were doing fine, and a couple of my guys that I had heavy exposure to, uh, many of whom were in my article that week, my core of players was having fantastic days by the the end of the second half because there's always that flurry of scoring from noon until 1.30 when those yes. early games end, right? And all were of my some guys, of those players, not to, not to jump in, but... Yeah, uh, they were flurrying all over the place. <laughs> I mean, I had Cam Newton, who had his best game of the season, uh, never to be heard from again, putting up Blake Bortles numbers the rest of the year. R.I.P. Cam. Yeah. Bounce back season, though. You would, you would think. I'd like, to, I'd like to hope so. Right. Um, I had the Denver defense, which was playing against the Colts, and I feared for Andrew Luck's life in that game because the Colts' offensive line couldn't keep anybody away from uh, from his backfield, and Denver did nothing more than get into other people's backfields. They had a sack fumble by Vaughn Miller uh, late in that game. I think it was an afternoon game, but still. They had a sack fumble late in that game that Aqib Tlaib scoops up and runs in for a touchdown, their second of the day. They were 4% owned, and they had like, uh, I had 40% of them. And they scored like 30 points that day. Uh, Benjamin on the Chargers had a great day. David Johnson was on that team. Uh, Everybody just kind of went nuts. And then the lineup that was live, or the most live, was in like a thousandth place of the Millimaker. Now that doesn't sound all that impressive, but when you consider there's 275,000 entries or whatever, you're pretty good. And I had a player left in the flex spot, which you could then late swap. And the player that I had in there in that lineup was uh, was Eddie Lacy going into the night game with uh, Green Bay against Minnesota. So I was saying, okay, I need 37 points to come in first, roughly. I forget exactly what it was. It was around there. I need 36, 37 points. And there's no way that Eddie Lacy is going to do 
what he would need to do to score 37 DraftKings points. Mm-hmm. So is there anybody at his salary or less that might? And Stefan Diggs was a few hundred less. I said, okay, so I'd need what, like 180 yards, 10 catches, and, and you know, and uh, a touchdown? Like, all right, I, that's, that's a one percentile game. It's a 99th percentile game. Like, I maybe have a 1% chance of this happening, but YOLO, because <laughs> there's a 0% chance of Eddie Lacy ever doing that. So, you know, 1% is greater than 0.00001%. So let's go with that. And halftime, he had like 20-something points, and I was drawing extremely live. Mm. And then if you can go back on my Twitter feed, because I was just live tweeting the whole thing. Right. And I jumped up to like 100th, and you see, I put like a couple of emojis with the... uh, you know, with the shocked face, <gasps> the shocked face emoji, like 1000 to 100, you know, arrow 100th place. And then 100th to 12th place. Uh, and he caught that touchdown pass. Uh, and that put me in like second. And then I needed one catch and it was like third and 14. And it was third and 14 because he just got a, a penalty against him the play before for coming off the sideline. Oh, and they yeah. gave him like he right. got essentially the NFL's version of a yellow card in soccer. Right. And I was like, oh my God, don't get thrown out right now. <laughs> That's like, right. I, That's right. So the next play, they've got him in the slot, and Bradford drops back and he runs like a little slant. And there's no one in the middle of the field. And I I remember like saying to my TV, and my office, my kid's room is directly over my office. Mm. And he's asleep. So I can't like yell and scream. So I'm like pointing at my TV. He's right there. He's right there. And he just throws it right to him. Easy pass and catch. It was like third and 20 something. And they got like 14 yards out. I needed 0.5 points. That got me like six or whatever. And that was like seven minutes left on the clock. So an easy and nobody could catch me. So uh, by the way, the swap to Stefan Diggs. The people in front of me, you can only see the top 500 mm-hmm. in the standings on DraftKings. Nobody in the top 500 who had players remaining had a wide receiver or a flex. They were all tight ends or defense. Mm. So I knew that I'd be somewhat clean if I took Stefan Diggs there. So that was the reasoning behind taking Stefan Diggs there. Is that you could see everybody else who had an open spot. You can't see who they have, but if it's a tight end, it ain't Stefan Diggs. And if it's a defense, it ain't Stefan Diggs either. That allowed me to have a clean path to if he has that big game, I'm going to shoot past everybody in front of me. Yeah, that's that's incredible, and I, I remember that game now. And I, I would say like that's funny that you paint the picture of you know your I guess are you by yourself in your office or, or whatever, um, and you know your kids are right above you. I remember kind of I guess what I would say the first big win that like I was like somebody I knew and like I was a part of it when I started following DFS was when when Drew Dinkmeyer Dink yeah. won that won the million dollars like that was a totally different experience it sounds like you know he's there with a bunch of different people there and like yep. broadcasted the whole thing and I remember mm-hmm. watching some of that and that was really cool it's always really cool when like guys like you or or Dink like people that you follow for a long time and like you win it's fun it's fun for everybody on Twitter and I think it's it's a it's a very good example of what makes Twitter so great to me. It's like we're, to, we're all tuning in together. And people feel like they're a part of it. Yes. You know, people feel like they win in some degree. Like, uh, And I remember this when I was on Fantasy Focus with Matthew Barry and Field Yates and Stefania the first time. And I've only been on it like three or four times. Mm-hmm. You know, But the first time I was on that podcast, I posted like a selfie of me like making like a 
face, you know, like a, a little yeah. like grimace face. Uh, and they're like smiling behind me. And I said, oh, I'm doing this because I said before I went on, I was like, so I'm going to I'm going to be doing this podcast today. And then an hour later, I posted that selfie. I was like, yeah. here's the podcast. You might have heard of it. <laughs> Hashtag just, 06010. Just a little, you know? little, little low level, you know, small thing. The, the amount of virtual fist bumps that I got that day, you know, made me feel like the people that were following me that had watched me on Grinders Live that were part of the Daily Fantasy community or Fantasy Football Twitter or whatever felt like they had in some way made it too because I was one of them. Totally. I, I got this a lot of the same sort of sentiments back when, you know, I had 3,000 followers or whatever and uh, or actually like 1,500, something like that, and got hired by NFL.com and like to come move out here and write for them. A lot of people said the same thing. It's like it's like we all got hired, you know, and right? yeah. people want to feel like like you said, they want to feel a part of something. They get to feel a part of something. It's very exciting um, when we all get to be we all get to, to do that together. So. Have things changed at all for you since that that Millie Maker, or is it just same old Al in a in a good way? And I say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same person now that I that I was then. It didn't didn't really change much for me, uh, other than the way that other people view me, I guess. Mm. But it didn't change anything about me or my life. Uh, my kids the next day is like, Daddy, how'd you do? It's like I won yesterday. I had a good day. Nice. It's like okay. They're like, can we get a toy? I'm like, yeah, you can get a toy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something small. Yeah, it's like you want you want some uh, you want they wanted football jerseys. They they all they're really into sports jerseys now. Mm. I said, you want some some new football jerseys? They said, yeah. I said, how about I get you some of all the guys that are on my team? So they got like five or six jerseys that I could find of guys that are on the team, and they wear them to school constantly. And somebody asks them who's that, they know who they are. They tell them what team they're on. All the story. This guy was on my dad's fantasy team, and they won. That's pretty. So like they're they're connected to those players as well, uh, and they love their jerseys. So like that's that's a big part of it too. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. Um, it definitely sounds like it's been a good experience. It couldn't couldn't happen to a, a little more like legit dude. So I, I I thought like I said, it's fun that like it's fun when we all get to to be a part of it, and it's one of the things that I think makes a makes Twitter so great. As much as Twitter can be frustrating, um, it can. It, I mean, one of the most memorable things for me was uh, we have like our little chat with with like my group of friends in daily fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I said, cause they were just like in the chat, they're going nuts. My notifications tab on TweetDeck was scrolling at a million miles an hour oh, that yeah, night. Forget, forget I remember that. <laughs> you couldn't really, like, I was trying to favorite stuff, but like couldn't get it fast enough. Like, you know, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like favorite is like the Twitter thank you. Yes. Favorite is so multi-purpose at oh, this point. You know what? I I actually wrote my my people that are listening have definitely heard me mention this before, but I wrote my college thesis back when I wanted to go into a PhD program for social theory. My college thesis was actually on uh, social interaction on Twitter and and taking like old social theories and and reimagining them for the digital age, specifically on Twitter. So it's ironic now that I'm on Twitter all the time because of my job. Right. Uh, but one of the things that my big one of the big parts of that like the favorite. Uh, now it's the like, but back then it was the little star the favorite and mm -hmm. uh people should always still call it favorite by the way um but the little the little favorite button was like a okay this conversation's now over uh that's one like way you can yes, use it that's you know? what, i have nothing more to add but yes good conversation but yeah it's good like, stuff yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a, that's you're right. You're right, though. It is a very multi multi purpose function. You know, like it's a thank you. It's a, okay. I'm done with this conversation, but I don't have an exit strategy. Right. Or like this is just <laughs> really funny. Um, yes. You know, it's. It, I appreciate you. Yes. People try to and trying to explain this stuff to anybody else in real life that isn't on Twitter all the time is like, what is wrong with you? But uh, yeah, why don't you go outside? <laughs> hey, no, you, you can tweet outside <laughs> like we're doing right now. We're in the We're in the backyard. It's all good. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's it's a it's a fun process. But I, I did mention like Twitter can be frustrating. Is there anything you would would change about the industry or Twitter or anything if you possibly could? I mean, you're never going to get rid of the people that just want to act reckless for no reason. And the funny thing is, like, the people that want to act that way are people that I've never met in person. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, and some of them were, were people that acted reckless until they met me in person. Hmm. And then they meet me in person. It's like, oh, you're you're actually not this evil Sauron, all-seeing eye that I want to hate. Jeez. You know? <laughs> like, all... It's just ridiculous. Like, the amount of, <clears throat> like, just senseless hate that there is on the internet, and I'm not trying to make some social statement about anything. It's just, mm, no. chill out, guys. It's fantasy sports. Right. Just, just chill out. It seems to me as, like, somebody that's obviously not, like, an insider on, on DFS Twitter or whatever, it does seem like there's a little bit of, like, extra bite in some of the negativity sometimes. And maybe it's because oh, people yeah. have money on the line, this, that, or the other. But I've seen some of the stuff, like, you've quote tweeted or whatever. And, you know, we've talked about, like, putting people on blast, <laughs> like, when we met up or whatever. And it's – sometimes you got to do it, man. Sometimes you got to let it know, like, yeah. this bad – this badness is happening in my mentions right now. And it's obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> This person is here. He is an actual thing, and I need all of you to know that he's a thing and boo this man. Yes. Oh, that's always fun. It's always nice. Sometimes it sometimes it happens unintentionally too. You like call your dogs on on a person and like I'm like, "Oh man, I didn't actually mean for for that for that to happen. I was just trying to joke." But whatever. It's uh <laughs> but I think that as we've talked about, I think the positive outweighs the uh the the good. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 100%. But like <clears throat> I mean, after I after the the games ended that night, so I was, we were, again, we digressed, but I was talking in, a, in my chat with these guys, uh, Drew Dinkmeyer and Andrew Wiggins and Peter Jennings and Adam, and we were all just sitting there and chatting, we're going nuts, because, like, I'm going to win. And I said, should I, like, do a periscope? And they said, uh, yeah, <laughs> you should totally do a periscope right now, because it's good for the brand. I said fine, so I fired up the periscope, and it's still. I left that one. I didn't have it, you know, self destruct. So that one's still up there, oh, and uh, it's me toasting because I don't drink, as you said early in the podcast. I was I toasted to everybody with some chocolate milk. This chocolate milk is beautiful. <laughs> it's delicious. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't like chocolate milk, but I just think it was. It's funny. Uh, it's one of my bad takes is that I don't like chocolate milk. I like chocolate milk is whatever, but I don't like chocolate milk anyways nevertheless uh, yeah that's You're disappointing that's, me Matt. i know i'm sorry listen you still get me talking about food and and as a, i am a professional tastemaker now it's breaking news i have changed my official title from you know writer for nfl.com to football writer slash tastemaker uh, there you go you move the food needle ex i do i'm trying to I, like i said i'm rebranding re every day but no it's a it's a great story that you have there with the millie maker thing i think it not just personifies this big win for you but also just what makes our industry pretty cool to be a part of and you know our, our little weird group that we have um so we are eclectic 
it, 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 absolutely that is very that is very true so al uh this has been fantastic i've really enjoyed talking to you about a number of different subjects i think not only was it entertaining you gave a lot of really good points for people to take if they are indeed after um chase, chasing whatever their goal might be their their unique uh journey what they're trying to do so i always give the guest one last chance at the floor uh, before I yank it out from under you. So uh, right now, the uh, the floor is yours to say whatever it is uh, that you want, whether it's compliment me or more things. Uh, no, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on, first of all. I appreciate it. It's fun to uh, – it was really nice to meet you and franchise last week. And, and, you know, like you said, outside of Twitter and get to know people in a situation where a setting that's a little bit different from the normal – uh, if you guys enjoyed or appreciated listening to my stuff and haven't listened to it before, uh, we put out the On the Ball podcast a couple of times a week, which is no actionable information whatsoever. It's me and Dave and Drew just kind of chit-chatting about life and what candy bars are better than others, and then we talk about sports as well. Uh, and obviously, if you want the actionable information, the Daily Fantasy Edge with me and Adam and Peter Jennings. I've never actually listened to the On the Ball podcast. I'll, I'll admit that. But if there's if there's a it's new, it's somewhat new. Well, beautiful. If it, listen, if there is non-actionable information, I'm in on that. I'm in on the yeah. debates about what candy bars are better. Discussing the minutia of life is a personal uh, favorite of mine. So I, I'm actually gonna. I will definitely have to check that out. Add it to the thousands of podcasts I already consume on a day to day basis. Uh, but we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Al, thanks again for for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Everybody definitely make sure to check out Al's stuff, uh, whether you want to do better in, in daily fantasy sports or just do better in life. Make sure you uh, are following along. Um, as for everybody that's listened here, uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. It's been my pleasure to, to host one. Uh, continuing along with season two, looking to get a ton more guests on here. I'll also say, in addition to that, we mentioned franchise and everything just now with Al. Also, be on the lookout. This is going to come out Friday morning, this podcast. Today, we will be in, in reaching, or excuse me, we'll be releasing our first teaser episode of the upcoming Fantasy Hipsters podcast. So make sure you're tuned in for that. That's going to be fun. We'll dive headfirst in. I, I'm really excited to finally get that project going. So make sure you're tuned in for that and all announcements, yada, yada, yada. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you learned something today.